this evening. Being that it is Resurrection Sunday, I wanted to spend some more time on the resurrection than we normally do. What is dangerous about the resurrection is often our ignorance of it. We do talk and we do emphasize the gospel message as relates to the cross. This morning I had the opportunity to teach the college ministry. And in the college ministry we were talking about symbolisms. So when we think about the gospel, what's the first symbol that comes to our mind? The cross. You don't normally see people who wear stones around their neck and as a symbol of the stone that was rolled away, or some kind of a hole inside of a tomb. I, I tried to draw for them on the whiteboard. I won't do that this evening. You know, of my idea of what a, what a symbol could look like as far as the stone rolled away. But the symbol of the cross is the one that we emphasize. But there is parts of the cross that become absolutely of no value if you don't understand the resurrection. And so we're going to talk about the eternal benefits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and why they cannot be lost. Because as Paul says, if they are lost, then the reason why you are sitting here today is a waste of your time and a waste of your life. And of course, we don't believe that, nor do we want that to be the case. Now, early on in American history, this did happen, where you had liberalism that came in and began to question anything that was supernatural in the Bible. And so they believed that Jesus was a real man, that he was really born and he really lived at the time that he said he lived. And there's history to back it up. But as it relates to the, the miracles, that those were often able, you were able to explain them away. And this would have been one of them, of Jesus raising from the dead. There's all kinds of theories. We're not going to get into those. But some of those theories are, well, Jesus didn't really die. It appeared that he died. And when they put him in the grave over a few days, he was healed. Um, or that... There's all kinds of different theories. But because of this, what ended up happening is the purposes for Jesus' death and resurrection were changed. And so now it was Jesus was a man dedicated to his beliefs and dedicated to creating love and peace in a community. And he was so dedicated for it, by, for it that he died for it. And that's what the gospel message became. And that's what the emphasis of the cross became, was those who are dedicated for peace and those who are dedicated for humanitarian purposes. Jesus is our example, not our Savior. And that's what happens when you lose the resurrection. That's what happens when you remove the purpose and the power of the resurrection. Well, if we were to go back, we've been in the book of John. I wanted to continue in John, but I thought, can't. Real, I, I, I'm struggling to continue on what's a really important part of John and miss an opportunity like a Resurrection Sunday. So we're going to push pause. We're going to use a little bit of a John to help us here. But if we're to go and put ourselves back into the story with John, at this point, the humanity, John has done an amazing job of pointing out the humanity of Jesus. And we often, when we think of Jesus, I don't know about you, but on, on my way over here, I was listening to the radio, and they've been, emphasi- uh, they've been advertising, what's the Jesus Superstar, what's that called? Is that what it's called? I can't remember the name of it. Jesus Christ Superstar, right? <clears throat> so they've been advertising that, and I have no idea what, it, what it's about, but it sounds horrible. <laughs> Has anybody seen it? 
Is it any good? No, no one's seen it. Okay, we all had the same impression, right? And when, when, when we think about the, you know, this kind of that version of Jesus, he's the guy who walks on air and he never sweats and he never needs sleep. He never needs to eat. He's just, he's subhuman, which is a horrible view. You cannot have that view of God because if you do, you begin to deny very important doctrines. And the cross becomes into question, and your payment for sin comes into question. So the humanity of Jesus is, is extremely important. Well, John's doing an excellent job of using the narrative to point out the humanity of Jesus. When men and women come into his presence, they are not dumbfounded by his voice. They're not taken back by his hair. They don't think he has the most glorious eyes. Uh, it is interesting that some of the pictures of Jesus are described you know, these are very beautiful human beings. Now, I'm not saying Jesus was ugly, but according to the Old Testament, he wasn't someone that you would look at and say, he must be God. They looked at him and actually questioned if he was God. Now, wait, you just claim to be God. How can that be? How is that true? Well, this is true of John. He goes into the temple cleansing, turns the whole uh, temple upside down, and they don't look at him and say, well, of course he can do that. He's God. They looked at him and said, who are you to do this? They looked at his humanity. They saw him as a man. Same thing with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him, talks to him, and goes, okay, I know that you're a prophet, and I can tell there's something going on, but by his looks, there, and even by his actions up to that point, Nicodemus was not convinced that Jesus was God. And then you look at the woman at the well. She just knows he's a Jew. But she does not know until the conversation comes to the very end when he has to tell her, and he says, I am he. I am the Messiah that's come. So, when John, when when Jesus raises from the dead, you ha- there, there's this mind bending moment for people because in history of humanity, no one has raised themselves from the grave. So Jesus is on the cross. They see him on the cross as a man, not as God. And when he dies, they see him die as a man, not as God. And then they see him come back. And it's a human being that's come back from the grave. And so there's this mind-bending reality about it. So for us, we are way down in history. Uh, much ink has been spilt in defending the resurrection, which I am grateful for, that helps protect the gospel message. And we use these, we use them as, even in our confessions. We're going to use a catechism tonight even to help remind us of the benefits of the resurrection. So this man claiming power, what, what, what did he tell them when he cleansed the temple? He says, tear this temple down in three days and what? And in three days, I will raise it up again. Of course, we and the readers of John would have known Jesus is talking about his body early in Jesus' ministry, right? John chapter 2, early in Jesus' ministry, he already is foretelling of his death and more importantly, of his resurrection, so this, this, uh, the narrative is, you're feeling it. Men are not, men are not a, they don't hear Jesus talk about his resurrection and go, yeah, that logically makes sense. Everyone hears Jesus and sees Jesus and even his disciples are like, what are you, you're not going to die. Peter tells them, what are, that's foolish talk. Don't talk like that. You can't die. So it is truly an act of God. All of eternity rests on one simple truth. A man... A man conquered death. It is, it is vital we understand this. A man 
had to conquer death. Otherwise, you and I did not have a replacement for us. The man, Jesus Christ, conquered death. Now, he didn't do it by finding the fountain of youth, but he did it by dying and then conquering it and coming back. So what happens, as I said before, when, we, when, we, when the resurrection fades or it no longer becomes important, you lose the gospel, and really what you lose is hope, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight, why we have to keep the importance and the historical resurrection of Jesus accurate. We're going to look at just one question I found helpful from the Heidel Catechism. We, uh, we are going to start using a catechism here in our children's ministry. I would encourage you as a parent, if you've not used one, to use one or get familiar with one if you have little kids. Uh, one, one, a, good, a great one is, um, of course, there's a Westminster Catechism. There's a, there's a Baptist one. We're going to use the New City Catechism. It's been updated. It's a little easier to read. You don't have to explain every other fourth word and what it means because those are words we don't use anymore. But I found that the Heidelberg Catechism had a great little section in explaining the importance of the resurrection. And so we're going to look at that. It's at uh, day 17, question 45. And here's the question. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? And he gives three answers. First, by his resurrection, he has overcome death so that he could make us share in the righteousness which he had obtained for us by his death. So we're going to make a couple of observations from the catechism. Here's the first one we're going to make and as an observation, then we're going to see it from Scripture. But if Christ did not rise from the grave, we would remain in our sin. So if we celebrate the cross and we lose the resurrection, you are celebrating an act that conquered nothing. Because Jesus was our representation for death, but if he did not conquer death, then he was defeated by the same defeat we are. John Calvin says this, For how could he, by dying, have freed us from death if he had himself succumbed to death? How could he have acquired victory for us if he had failed in the struggle? So it is, you can see how the people of God, they looking at their king, we're going to talk about that over, during Christmas, what does it mean when it says king of the Jews as relates to the Davidic covenant. They're looking at their king Their king is not victorious. He didn't win, not in the way they thought he would, and now he's dead. And so, Jesus' following is squelched. Everyone runs, his biggest disciples are hiding, and now there's nothing. Well, that would be the case if you remain dead, because he cannot replace you. He cannot take your payment if he he stays dead. And so it's important to understand that receiving the payment of our sins could only be fully accomplished once he came back from the dead and said, I took your payment and I, and I overcame it. And I overcame it. Here's the second one. Second observation. If Christ did not rise from the grave, we would not inherit his righteousness. So the perfect life he lived would be meaningless if we are not acquitted from our own sins. Here's a great example of this. Turn to Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. This is what Paul says. Who was delivered up for our trespasses, so the death on the cross, 
and raised for our justification. That is important. You and I, let's say Jesus dies on the cross and he takes the payment of our sin. You know what we're still lacking? We are still lacking the righteous representation. Because if Jesus does not raise from the grave, then we cannot be declared justified and we cannot be declared righteous because he was defeated. So, so what? Our sins have been paid for. The righteous life of Jesus cannot be applied to us. You cannot be what's called declared righteous. Jesus or God will not look down on you and say, yes, you are accepted. Because he didn't earn it for you. Let me read this quote to you again. The same section of Calvin. It says, Therefore we divided the substance of our salvation between Christ's death and resurrection as follows. Through his death, sin was wiped out and death extinguished. Through his resurrection, righteous was restored and life raised up. So that, thanks to his resurrection, his death manifested its power and efficiency in us. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 real quick. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter describes this. Where you see his death, resurrection, giving us the right to claim Jesus' righteousness. Without it, we have no right. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why is it we can claim hope? Because He raised from the dead. That's what Peter says. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and fading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as the catechism says, we gain this righteousness, we obtain this righteousness. Here's second and third observation it says. So how does Christ's resurrection benefit us? By His power, we too are raised up to new life. And then number three it says, Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of His glorious resurrection. Turn real quick over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read that again just as before we read this. It says, By His power we too are raised up to a new life. Christ's resurrection is to us a sure pledge of our glorious resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits meaning the first of the harvest. He's the first before us. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. So important. Adam, man, brought death upon all. Jesus, the second Adam, man, brings resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so in, also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Let me just read to you real quick, Colossians 3.1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also 
appear with him in glory. This is going back to the benefit of the resurrection. The hope, not only of our resurrection to new life, but of a glorious life, a new body. And then Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body, but the power, by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. The last and third and longest benefit, if Christ did not raise from the grave, we would have no hope of relief or joy. When you remove, or when you stop emphasizing, let's just say we don't remove it, we all continue to remember the resurrection, but when you stop emphasizing the resurrection, and, and in essence you're not emphasizing the gospel, you have to place your hope somewhere. According to the gospel, the resurrection removes all power, removes all uh, ability out of our hands and puts it into Jesus. So let's walk through it. Jesus pays for our sin, earns the righteousness that we need, is put to death on the cross, and then conquers death by his resurrection and then gives us righteousness. And you know what he hands to us? Nothing. He says, it's finished. I'm done. There is nothing left. So then your salvation, your sanctification, and your glorification, which you will be, is all secured in Jesus conquering death. It's all secured. When you don't emphasize that, and you don't look at the power of the tomb, I love this question in college ministry, did they have to roll back the stone for Jesus? Yes or no? Well, the question is, why? Of course they had to roll it back for Jesus. Not for him to come out, but for them to go in. They needed to see that Jesus was not in there. So the tomb had to be opened so they could see that it's empty. Why? So they could walk in and say, wow, this really happened. A man really came back from the dead. This is a real. He's not there. And then what did he do? He tells the apostles, touch me. Feel me. This is real. I'm not a spirit. This isn't a ghost. I'm a real man that really came back from the dead. Here's how this applies tomorrow and five years from now. And when, not if, when you hit an extremely difficult time of life. Your faithfulness through the trial, your experience in the trial, does not change if Jesus rose from the grave. Here's why. Your joy and relief are not based upon your performance ever. What did we just learn from Corinthians, Colossians, and Philippians? Our citizenship, the new body that awaits us, is all secured because he rose from the grave, not because you've performed well. Not because you were faithful. I know that when I go and I, to someone's bedside, or to the hospital room, or to someone in, in the midst of terrible depression, if I come to them with simple steps and platitudes to get through this, count it all joy when you come into trials. Feel free to punch me or anyone that ever tells you that. That's not what someone needs. They need to know that someone or something has control outside, and has demonstrated the control and demonstrated the power 
And that power is the resurrection. So when you battle frustration, when you battle depression, when you battle sickness, when you battle pain, loss, the hope that's given from Christ is what we will be, we have not yet seen, 1 John, but when it appears, we'll be transformed into his image. What image is he talking about? He's talking about the, the resurrected Jesus, the new body. He says, this too will be yours. This too. So every week when we come and receive the gospel, the resurrected sermon, whether it's in the, in the elements or from the word, our hope should be this is not it. This isn't the peak of our joy. This isn't the peak of our satisfaction. This isn't even remotely beginning what's to come. And all of us, at some point, have hit a, have hit a mode where, wow, I think, I think I'm going to make it, whatever making it means. Is it money, or fame, or family, or success, whatever it is. And then you hit the first or final roadblock and go, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I think I just hit my, this is what, this is what I'm at, this is where I'm at, and it's only going to go down from here. What do you grab onto? What you're supposed to grab onto, according to the Apostle Paul, according to the New Testament, we're supposed to grab onto the eternal hope. This is going back to Colossians. If then you've been raised with Christ, now have we been raised yet? Spiritually speaking, yes. Physically speaking, no. So in a spiritual sense, we understand we have been raised with Christ. And what does Paul say? If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, or Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know why he says that? It's extremely important. Place of authority. Jesus has authority to give us everything that he has promised. And he sits in a place of authority at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. That's not the, you ever hear the phrase, uh, don't be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good? I don't ever think that's a problem with us as humans. There's no way you could ever think about the benefits of Jesus Christ so much that you know earthly good. I don't think it's possible. Otherwise, Paul would say, except for when you become no earthly good. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says, if this is you in the midst of a, of a Colossian church who were going through a tremendous amount of persecution, struggle, if this is you, set your mind where you're going to find relief, where you're going to find, where you actually can find meaning for life, where you have died and your life is hidden. No one can touch it. Not cancer, not a job, not family. No one can touch a life that's protected by the risen Christ, is hidden with Christ. When Christ is who is your life appears, then you will also appear in glory. Why we celebrate the resurrection, why we emphasize the resurrection, and why we cannot let it lose its emphasis in the benefits of us is that the, the, you diminish it, the, your role has to be increased. It has to be. Because Jesus only potentially sets you up. I'm going to steal this from Byron. He said this this morning. If you, th- if you think about the feat that God demonstrated in Jesus of a man dying and coming back to life, And then you walk over to him and say, good job for getting things going. And that is just crazy to think about. Well done. Thanks for 
setting us up for success. He conquered something no one can conquer. He did it with supreme power. Declared it's finished. Yet we actually often approach the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a good job for cleaning off the slate and getting us headed in the right direction. Now, as in Jerry in his testimony this morning, you know there's more that can be said about Christianity. So let's start focusing on that. There's more that can be said about the gospel. So let's, let's move on to the things that matter. I don't know if I would ever walk up to Jesus and say, good job on bringing yourself back. We're excited about that. Now let's talk about my role here. You have no role. Not as it relates to your standing before God. Not as it relates to your righteousness. And definitely not as it relates to you paying for your sin. That role belongs purely to Him. Now we do have a role. And it's an amazing role. Not with your salvation, but with the salvation of others. And what's our role? Taking the message of the resurrected Christ to those around us. That is an astounding... Well, let me get this straight. You just did this... Can't explain what you did, but you did it. And now you want me to go tell people about it? Fascinating. Fascinating. What is great about our message is also what's hard about our message. And Paul says this. Those who are unbelievers think we're crazy. In essence, we are. But it would be defeating to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He died for us. He he lived for us. He was a great man. Did a lot of miracles. But what happened to him? Well, he's still dead. That's not the story we get to give, right? It's that he rose from the grave. And that's where people go, all right, well, what are you guys like? Mormons or something? That's crazy. We don't believe in things like that. That's weird. But it is what we as believers embrace wholeheartedly as the only means by which we are made right before God. And so we look to our hope of relief found in the power and the message of Jesus Christ in his resurrection. And to go back to what Paul says, if, if, this is not, if Jesus didn't raise from the grave, which he was dealing with people who didn't believe that, if you died, that was it. If Jesus wasn't raised from the grave, then we should be pitied amongst the most of anyone. Well, as we go to the table, this week is no different than any other week. Praise God. This week we celebrate at the same volume, with the same intensity, and for the same reasons. Because Jesus accomplished on Easter Sunday the same thing he accomplished next Sunday, and for every Sunday until he comes back. And we as a church, that's why he says, as often as you meet, remember me, remember me. And so as a congregation, we're not going to turn the volume up or down on Resurrection Sunday. The volume will remain the same. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you left nothing in the tomb and you left nothing for us except for the demonstrated power that we are secure in the Father's eyes for the work that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.